Well, good morning again. <clears throat> Today is, is one of my favorite kinds of days because we're beginning a new sermon series, and usually when we're starting a new sermon series, it means that uh, there's something that I've been thinking about for some time, and I'm, I'm going to get to share a lot of that with you over the next however many weeks the series lasts. And so uh, I'm excited that today we're going to begin a study in the book of 1 John. I would invite you to go ahead and find that on your phone or in your Bible if you have an uh, actual printed Bible. Um, and, and I want to, because you're going to want to read along uh, there, and, and it'll also be up here on the screen. You may want to follow that way. But we have titled this sermon series uh, that you may know. And, and that, that idea, that phrase, comes from a verse that we'll look at later in this series in 1 John chapter 5 when John writes these words. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. <clears throat> So I'm guessing that this is relevant for those of us here because we believe in the name of the Son of God. This is what we've just been spending our time worshiping about, pouring our hearts out about. And I know that like as we think about this and you think about what we know and, and you know, there's some, maybe some question about what do I know and what do I believe and how can I be sure about what I know that I believe? Like we have experienced over the last year, John's original hearers of, the, of these words were facing crisis. They were facing turmoil. They were facing all sorts of challenges. John is writing to a group of people likely who had been, he had had some long-term relationship with. And he's reminding them, and you'll see this as we kind of look through this book, he's reminding them to be grounded, to stay grounded in some very foundational things. So a lot of the things that, that he writes about in 1 John are things that he's already written about in his gospel or that other people have written about, and they're sort of just reminders, things that we already know. They're things they've heard, but now they bring new weight and new meaning because they are in a new season of their lives. And as I think about the point that we are at in our lives as we have experienced all that we've experienced over the last year. We feel like there is light at the end of the tunnel. We're moving into a new season. Uh, I wanted to, to spend some time thinking about this book. They, they, like us, have lived in a time when people were, people were arriving to, this, to these churches and they were proclaiming a gospel that ran counter to what they had heard preached by John and preached by others. And so there's some confusion. What are we to believe? Who are we to listen to? It's a letter that is written to a church in a time of division and uncertainty and confusion and crisis. So it feels relevant both to them and to us. And so we're going to jump in this morning and we're going to start in 1 John chapter 1. Beginning in verse 1, John writes these words. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. If you were, how would you? 
you go about explaining who you are and what you're about and why you're interested in the created being? How could you tell them about you? How could you explain to, you, to, to them all that you want to give them, the kind of life that you want them to be able to enjoy? The first thing to having a good story is you have to begin the right way. And John understands that. He actually references here in the beginning of this first verse of 1 John chapter 1, the great opening line of the Bible, in the beginning, God. The greatest story that's ever been told begins far away. You know, if you're a true American, what story I'm about to tell, right? You know what story I'm about to tell. If I say the words, once upon a time, what comes to mind? Right? Most people nowadays, when they hear that line, they associate that phrase, once upon a time, with Disney, and rightfully so. Because this line is the beginning of most fairy tales. Recently, I was reading an article about the history of this phrase, once upon a time, and the author said that one of the reasons that the f a phrase like this, which is a great opening line, works, is because it in a previous time and invites you into a new world. And, and that opening line from the Bible functions in a similar way. In the beginning, God. And it invites us to imagine that there is a God that has created everything you see. A God that has always existed. A God that loves you. And the rest of the Bible is this intriguing story that tells us about God. And so when we arrive in 1 John... He's not saying anything that's really new. It's really no surprise, actually, that John would begin his short letter with a reference to the original story that was told back in Genesis 1, chapter 1. If you're familiar with the just to know that he's talking about this same God, but this story isn't make-believe. This story is real. And we learn about God in a lot of ways, right? Like, you, you know about God through your senses, things you've experienced. One of the things that Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says is that we know about God through creation. Paul writes there, he says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Everywhere you look, Paul says in Romans 1, you see God if you have the eye. I don't know if you caught it. Word of life is what he gives, the name that he gives to Jesus. And he says that this life has always been, from the beginning of time, he appeared, he said in verse 2. We have seen, he's always been, and then he appeared. We have seen this life. We have touched the life. We have heard the voice of the life. We've seen God, he says. And he's writing so that you may know that this story that you've heard is real. He's always been visible in creation. You can read about him in the written word. <clears throat> but he is a person that can present age. And then they also believe that there was the age to come. So you've probably heard these two phrases, the, the present age and the age to come. Some older English translations of the Bible even use this, this, this language. There were, the age to come was the time when God would make everything right, when God would rescue his people from the evil that they had suffered. 
And when we talk about the present age and the age to come, the words we typically use are heaven and earth, right? We talk about earth being what we experience now. We talk about heaven being the age to come that we'll experience later. And we tend to have an idea about heaven and earth and what they are and where they are and what God is doing and come, but Jesus matters now. He appeared, John says, on this side of eternity. He's always been, but in verse 2 he says he appeared. We've seen him, we've heard him, we've touched him with our hands. And that's what makes this story about Jesus so powerful. But it isn't just that. I want to look actually at verse 2 again. He says, the life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Do you hear what he's saying? Jesus is no longer hidden. The future has burst into the present. And it's it's as if God has provided sort of an advanced display of his future that he has prepared for us. So when we see Jesus, we get a glimpse of what eternal life is going to be like. You with me? And the word, again, the word for that future is life. He just uses this word over and over and over again. Life as it was meant to be. Life to the full. Life that will not be defeated by death, life that is available to everyone. As one writer said, life itself has come to life. Life at moment. In Christ, the life that you will experience forever one day. I'm just trying to say it a bunch of different ways in case you're not hearing it the way I'm actually saying it. Another way to say it is that in Christ, the life you will experience one day forever in eternity can be experienced right now before you die. That's what John is saying. Eternal life has come into the present. And he both makes eternal life possible then and now. Jesus came to earth so that you and I know that it isn't just the hope that we have someday matters. And that this anchors us and sends us in a very particular direction as we link our lives to Christ's life. I think this is one of the primary points that John wants to make in this letter, is that faith matters. If you're wondering today whether or not faith matters, I want you to hear very clearly that faith matters. Faith matters, as he's already said, because Jesus has come from the future into the present and changed the present forever. Faith matters because it reminds us that we have Jesus now, not just one day, right now. We aren't just believing in something that will happen one day. This is not a fairy tale story or anything else. Ultimate satisfaction is found in Christ alone. And what I want to do is to show us what John is attempting to do. In this, in this first four verses, you get a glimpse of it, but... He's going to do this throughout the entire letter. He is sharing his personal experience. You hear it very clearly, right? We've seen this. We've heard this. We've touched the life. And we now proclaim it to you to testify that it's real. It's not a dream. Whatever person you've heard, false teachers in this context, are coming and trying to suggest that John and other original followers, it's present Right? Even though Jesus is gone, he still has fellowship 
with Jesus. And that word fellowship is a word that probably a lot of you have heard before, koinonia. It just means shared community, a partnership, a relationship, a life that's shared together. And he says it existed eternally with God the Father and God the Son. And then it was extended to those who came to know Jesus and saw him with their own eyes as he was alive on earth. And now the fellowship is open to other people too, to those of us who didn't have the chance to meet Jesus face-to-face in person in the flesh during his time on earth about it. And, and while it may not seem like a really big deal, I want you to think about that, that decision on his part. He just wants to tell about what he's seen and heard. He knows that he is an eyewitness. And he wants to tell what he's seen and heard. And it may not seem like a big thing that he's doing, but that is the way that the story continues to be passed on to other people. You tell the story. If you want to know, if you want someone to know about something, you're not silent about it. You tell about it, right? Some experience that's happened to you, some, something that impacted your life. If you want other people to know about it, you talk about it. Sharing what you've seen and what you've heard. John has shared the same question. What have you seen or heard from Christ? What have you seen Jesus do in your life? What have you heard Jesus say in your life? And, and whatever your answers are to those questions, what have you seen Jesus do? What have you heard Jesus say? That is your story. Some of you might feel like, well, I don't really have a story. That is a lie that comes straight from the enemy. Your story is whatever you've seen Jesus do and whatever you've heard Jesus say. One word we use for this is our testimony. And again, something to tell about what they've seen and what they heard. they've heard. They have a testimony. Some questions to just get you thinking about what you've seen and what you've heard. Are there any moments in your life when you can distinctly recall God's presence? That's part of what you've seen and heard. Are there any ways that you know for sure that God provided for you? That's part of what you've seen and heard. Are there any prayers that have been answered? Are there any prayers that didn't get answered? Those are all things that you've seen and you've heard, you've experienced. Are there any spiritual or physical or emotional moments where you've experienced healing that's come a difficult season? That's part of what you've seen and heard, right? And there are a million examples, questions that I could continue to ask. It's, it's, not, it's not hard to kind of think about. It's just you just have to think about it. Anything that you've experienced in your relationship with Christ falls under this category of what you've seen and heard. And the truth is that the longer that you and I follow Jesus, the more that this changes. So what you've seen and heard as a 15-year-old is not going to be the same as what you've seen and heard as a 25 or 35 or 45 or 55 or 65 or 75-year-old, right? Because every part of your journey, you're going to see and hear new things. The relationship you share with physical people in your life that you see. That's how those relationships that you have with people in your life work. Our relationship with Jesus works the same exact way. The longer that you know someone, the more experiences that you have with them, the more you've seen and heard as a part of that relationship with them, right? The more memories you share, the more highs and lows you've walked together, 
and the way that the relationships that we share with each other, right, they're, they're different. If you have a relationship with somebody that you've been friends with for 30 years, it's a different relationship today than it was 30 years ago when it started. John says is that he's heard Jesus, and now he tells us about it. And so the other question there that's included in this one is, what have you heard Jesus say? And again, this one is hearing and seeing are different senses. Like, let's be sure to notice those are two different things. And, and sometimes, you know, we, I don't really know. Do I hear God? How do I know if it's God? How do I know if it's Jesus in my, in my voice, in my head, in my heart? I want to just say this morning that the Holy Spirit that lives in you is a gift from God to help us in our relationship with Jesus. I think it, the Spirit helps us hear God's voice closing your mouth and opening your ears. And so it's not any different in our relationship with Jesus. We hear the voice of Jesus in the same way that we hear the voices of other people. The difference is that you may have to discern whether or not that was the voice of Jesus. And so in my experience, it takes some time to quiet your heart, to still your heart. I once heard someone say, I have found it to be true, if you're sitting and trying to listen to the voice of Christ and, you, and Jesus is talking a lot, it probably isn't Jesus, right? That just may be the noise in our heads and in our hearts. It has to kind of quiet down. And I want us to grow to do, I think, a lot of times with the Holy Spirit that's working in us. And so we refer to, we even, I think we don't know what to do with it to the point that we often don't even refer, believers don't refer to it as the Holy Spirit. We refer to it as things like our conscience or the voice in my head, right? What if we just called it by its name, the Spirit of God, and we used that Spirit of God in our attempts to pursue Christ, to pursue faith in Christ, to grow in Christ. And then as we listen, just some practical things. I've shared a couple of these things before. We don't always do the first thing that we hear. He told me to go and kill someone, I would have to question whether or not that was from God. If you told me that God told you to go kill someone, I would question whether or not that was from God because that goes against God's character to take a life, right? You test it against Scripture. What, you, what do you know about God's character? What do you know about Scripture? And then at times, if you hear something from the Lord and, and you're trying to discern whether or not it's from the Lord... You seek the counsel of other people to make sure that what you're hearing makes sense, that it feels accurate. And I think if you hear a word from the Lord and it goes against, again, what you know of God, then, then it probably isn't from God. If you talk to other people and they go, I'm not really sure, maybe you should revisit that. Testing that up against what they care, know and, what, and, they, and knowing that they care about you. And if they suggest that it might not be something from God, then there may be some, something worth listening to there, right? The, the point that I'm explaining is that the way I want us to, to notice that Jesus is experienced in the same way that we experience other relationships. We hear from Christ by listening to Christ. We hear from our friends and family members by listening to them. We experience things with one another. I can report to other people what I've seen you do because I've been with you when you've done it. And I want to just say that I believe that God is always working. It may be that someone in the room this morning goes, well, I don't know if I'm seeing or hearing anything from the Lord. And I think that's a fair observation. And if that's the case, I want to encourage you by saying God is working always. 
If you can't recall something, I don't think that that's probably going to be the case because I think most of us can probably recall something that we've seen God do. But if you can't recall hearing from Christ, it doesn't mean that Jesus isn't speaking necessarily, but it may mean that you and I need to start paying more attention. It may mean that we need to, to eliminate some of the distractions that fill our lives. I want, you to, I want you to think about people in your life. I want you to think about, like, if you want to just apply this practically, all, almost all of us have people in our life who we want, we want to share in some way or another with them about what we believe about God, what we believe about Christ. And sometimes we use the word evangelism, you know, uh, and, and we, we can even complicate that a little bit. What I hear John doing is, is just proclaiming what he's seen and what he's heard. What if evangelism, what if we started to see that as not some hard, complicated thing where I've got to sit down and study the Bible? What if instead of making it complicated, what if we just saw evangelism as you and me reporting out about what we've seen God do in our lives and what we've heard God say to us? To me, that seems to simplify it a little bit. And make it less complicated and honestly make it more easily accomplished, right? I want you to think, if you, as you think about that, people in your life that you desire to see walking with the Lord. And it may not happen overnight, but what if your approach to them changed from you need to make a decision to follow Jesus to I, can, I guarantee you. If you have some really important thing to you in your life and you want me to be passionate about it, you are more likely to help me become passionate about it by me seeing how it's changed your life first. Am I right? Like, if you're, if you're just convinced, trying to convince me that, hey, this thing that's really important to you should also be important to me, eh, maybe. I may not buy into it. But if I see that it's changed your life, okay, now I'm paying attention. Right, and I and I think that's part of what John is saying is, look, this, Jesus changed my life, and I can't help but talk about. It. And now I want to proclaim to you this word of life that has come from the future into the present. He says, I promise, as as you come to know Him, it will change your life too. I have fellowship with Him, and you can have fellowship with Him, as well. God has revealed Himself, Church. That which was from the beginning and has always been eternal life has come into the present. And if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, he is talking, he is alive, he is working even now. He has not just ascended to the right hand of the day. Jesus is here among us at work in our midst, at work in our world, at work in our lives individually. What have you seen and what have you heard? That is your story. That's your opening lines of your short letter that you're writing and telling with your life. Would you stand with me this morning? <clears throat> I would be uh, missing an opportunity, of course, to say that if you haven't placed your hope in Jesus, I want to encourage you toward that decision. Uh, I want you to think, though, about your own experiences. My hope is that we take away from these. You and I have a story to tell. And your story is a story that somebody needs to hear.
Your story is real. Your faith matters. And the work, our work, is to continue to tell people what we have seen Jesus do in our lives and what we've heard him say because faith still matters. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful this morning for the life that has come, that has always been, and that has come from the future into the present. We're thankful that we humbled, that we have the opportunity to be in of Christ. Finished work on the cross. God, I, I ask that you will encourage us this morning again that faith matters. Faith matters for us. Faith matters for generations to come. Faith matters for the people in our lives who do not have faith in Jesus. And I pray that you'll remind us again today of the ways that we came to believe what we believe through seeing your work in the lives of other people. I pray that today that you'll remind those of us in this room that we have a story to tell. Whether we've walked with Christ for a month, a day, we have a story to tell. We've all seen and experienced and heard Jesus work in our lives, in the world. And we ask this morning that you'll encourage us as we think about how we might go about looking for opportunities to proclaim our story to those in our lives. We love you and we're thankful that you have come to make life possible. We pray in the name of the word of life and the church said, amen. Let's sing together.